Well, I want to start with a question this morning, and it's this. What is one thing that would make your life better? Think about that for a minute. What is one thing, and I'm not like a genie or out of the magic lamp or anything like that, but just what is one thing that if you had, it would make your life better? Now, some of us would say things like, well, I wish I had a, a different job. If I had a different job, my life would certainly be better. Or if I had more money, if I had more money, my life would definitely be better. It would take away a lot of the stress that I'm dealing with. Or, or maybe if I had better health. Or maybe you're like thinking in a different direction and you would say something like, you know what, if I had a friend or two, that would really make my life a whole lot better. Or maybe you're thinking, you know, if I just had a bicycle. Which, if you want a bicycle right now, they're like impossible to find from what I'm reading, unless you really want to spend a lot of money on your bicycle. Uh, they're just not out there, partly because of the pandemic. It might actually be easier if you just got a boat, okay? But uh, then you need a lake, so it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of difficulties with these different things. But maybe you want a bike. Maybe you want a vacation. And that would make your life better. Maybe it's something like having your kids do better in school, or having a better marriage, or I don't know. For me, I, I mean, one thing that would make my life better is if my dog were a little lower maintenance. I, we, we got this dog from, from, the, uh, from the rescue, and they never know what kind of dog you're getting. And so we have this Belgian Malinois. And if you don't know what a Belgian Malinois is, go look it up and then be grateful you don't have one. They're super smart and super athletic, and they never, ever sleep or, or stop. It is like 90 miles an hour. But here's the deal. All of us can identify things in our lives, and we're like, you know, if I had that right there, that would actually make my life better. And I don't think it's a problem, that, you, but you have those thoughts. Because I, part of living in our world, and it's a broken world, is we realize that things are not exactly as they should be, so we can desire things to be better than what they are, and, and we can desire things to be improved from our situation. That's not the problem. The problem is, we often think that it's something external or some circumstance that if we could fix this or change this, it would make my life better. So if I could get this job or if I could get this house or if I could have this friend or, or whatever, if I could have that thing, it would actually make my life better. And yes, it would, but it's not because those things are there around us. We anticipate that it's going to have something to do with what it does to us inside of us. And so we're looking for our lives to be better by changing circumstances when really what we're looking for and really what we're after is just to be a, maybe a little happier. Or, or maybe we'd like to just feel a little bit more significance. Or maybe if we could just find a little bit more fulfillment in what's going on in our lives. Or just a simple sense that life is good. But it's something that we feel on the inside that we're after. And we try all these different things, and sometimes they even work, but what we're really aiming for is to affect us inside so that we feel differently. So if I ask that question again, what's one thing that would make your life better? Could you reframe it in your mind? To be what's one thing that you'd like to experience internally that would improve your life or that would enhance your life. 
And that's what we're talking about this morning, because we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And for the last six weeks, seven weeks today, we've been talking about different roles that the Holy Spirit plays in our lives. And today we're talking about this role, the Holy Spirit enhances our lives. He brings things to us on the inside that we're like, oh, that's better. Oh, yes, that feels right. Oh, yes, I am you know, happier, or, or pick your word here, and we're going to get to some of those words in a minute here. But it's not automatic. It's not like we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and we're told the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us week number one. And on, all of a sudden, we have all these things, like, you know, I, I'm just like leaking out happiness, or, and, you know, joy is just like flowing out of me in every direction, or I have so much peace, I can't believe it. It's not how it works. It's a process that leads us to that place. And so we want to explore that this morning by exploring a passage that's in Galatians chapter 5. And so I encourage you to turn there or to look that up on your device, whatever you're using there, Galatians chapter 5. And what we're going to do is we're going to walk through this passage and we're going to make four observations this morning regarding how the Holy Spirit actually wants to enhance and how the Holy Spirit wants to make your life better. Now, when we look at Galatians, it's important for us to always think about context. And and anytime we're looking at Scripture, context is always key to what we're doing. And so the context here this morning for the whole book of Galatians is this. Galatia was not a city and it was not a specific church in the Bible. It was a region, kind of like it would be Michigan versus Waterford. So Galatia was a region that had several different churches. And so Paul writes this letter to the churches, plural, in Galatia. And so it would have traveled around to these different churches and and been read to them. But when he writes this letter, he's after a specific issue that's going on in the church there, in the churches there in Galatia. And it was the issue of legalism. And to define that, legalism is the idea of adding anything, any type of works that we do to grace, which is what God does when it comes to salvation or to the Christian life. And so it's saying that we need to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ because he died on the cross for our sins and rose again and and wants to give us salvation, and that's grace. And so you must accept that, but then you also need to do and whatever it is that you put on your list there. And for the people in Galatia, that area, here's what was being put on their list. A lot of the Jews who had kind of come from the old life before Jesus and the cross and salvation, they had lived under the law and where you did the Ten Commandments plus These were the things that you were supposed to do to live out, and that was what your faith was about, keeping the law. Well, when Jesus came, he upset all of that and said, no, it's not about the law. It's about putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And those people were saying, but, 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 but all those things over here in the law were good things. Like, it teaches us not to murder, and it teaches us not to commit adultery, and it teaches us not to do all these different things here that are really good things or keeps us from doing bad things. And so obviously, yes, you need Jesus, but yeah, you got to keep the law over here. And Paul's like, no, you're missing the point here. And that's what legalism is. 
So keep that in mind as we read through this this morning. And we're going to take it, and in, in, in legalism today looks a little bit different from what it did back then, because we don't say things like that necessarily, and yet we have a lot of legalism that we deal with in, in the Christian life. But let's read here. We're going to start in verse number 13 this morning. I think we have it up on the screen, do we? Here we go. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. So you're not under this law that's restricting you and boxing you in. You're called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Do not lose your freedom to indulge the flesh. So Paul is saying you're not under this law anymore, but you can't just go do whatever you feel like doing. That doesn't work. And then he says something that's kind of odd, I think. But he says, instead, you need to serve one another in love. In other words, what's going to regulate you is when you make a decision of how you're going to act, instead of acting all crazy, you're going to look at your neighbor and say, hey, you know, my actions here affect that person. I better be careful how I act. And this is really important as we get the overall context here. In fact, let's read the next verse and it'll help us out here. For keeping, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping one command, Love your neighbor as yourself. If you devour and bite each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. Paul is saying this, you guys are all about keeping the law. And yet, you're all mad at each other. And you're all pointing fingers and accusing each other and saying, you're not doing this and you're not doing this and you're not doing this. And he said, like, there's this huge battle going on here in your churches. He says, do you realize what the law was about? Especially those last six commandments. It was about your relationships with each other. In fact, Jesus said what the second part of the law is, to love your neighbor as yourself. It's like, this makes no sense, people. You're all about keeping the law, and you're not keeping the law. Because you're so rude to each other in how you're going about this. And that's often what happens when we get into legalism. It's because I'm doing, I'm keeping this rule over here and you're not and that bothers me and I either start attacking you or I become very self-righteous about how well I'm doing with keeping that rule there. And so this is what he's after and then we get into a transition here. In verse number 16, so I say, because of everything I've been talking about, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want to do. And what he's saying here is there's a different way. There's a better way to do this. And the better way to do this is to walk by the spirit. And if you will tune into the Spirit, the Spirit will keep you from doing all these things over here that you shouldn't do. But it's not the laws that you're keeping now that are impersonal and, and judgmental. It's a person who's going to help you now as you live out your life. And so you need to walk with the Spirit. So the point is, it's about a relationship with a person who changes us rather than these rules and laws that condemn us. But he says something more here. In fact, we're going to get to it. 
He says, not only do you have the Spirit instead of the law, but the Spirit gives you something better than what the law gave you. And we'll get to that in a minute. So there's a different plan here, and there's going to be a better method too. So a different plan, different method, because the method most of us use is to just try harder, do better. And this goes back to the second week that we talked about here in this series. And by the way, all of these um, series on, on the Inside Guy are online. If you've missed any of them, I would encourage you to go back and listen to them. We've talked about a lot of doctrine here in the last six weeks that will be super helpful to you as you live out your Christian life. And I think it could be super encouraging. But he's saying, I've got this better method, and the method isn't me trying harder. The better method is the Holy Spirit, if you will walk in the Spirit. So our first observation here this morning is this. Each of us lives with an internal battle between who we are and who we should be. And we have this tension inside of us because who we were before we trusted Christ, the Bible calls an old nature, and that's just the desires that drive us. We trust Christ, and he gives us a new nature and good desires, but the old desires don't go away completely. There's just this tension between the two. And they battle back and forth, and sometimes the bad wins, and sometimes the good wins, sometimes the old, sometimes the new. But we all live with this internal battle between who we are and who wants God wants us to be. But the exciting thing is that the Holy Spirit's presence means that we can win the battle. And what Jesus Christ did on the cross didn't destroy the, the, the presence of sin in our lives or the pull of sin in our lives, but it did destroy the power of sin in our lives. And so Paul's point is like, you're, you're all arguing this. Understand that it's the Spirit who helps us do what's right. It's the Spirit who gives us the desire to do what's right. It's the Spirit who gives us the ability to do what's right. It's the Spirit who enables us is the word and so we don't have to try harder and do better we need to just lean into the spirit and he's going to help us and this fits with this idea of legalism because if we go that route then we think that being a good christian means that i'm just going to to stop doing all these things that are against the rules i'm going to start doing all these things that are in the rule book here and I'm just so totally focused on these rules, whether I'm doing good, whether I'm doing bad. So whether I'm really feeling proud about how well I'm doing or how I'm really feeling down on myself and frustrated about how poorly I'm doing, we just live over here, and it's a very frustrating way to live because it's all about our performance. Paul said, hey, that's not the plan. The plan is the Holy Spirit who gives us desires and abilities to do as we should, and we need to move over to that side by walking in the Spirit. But we still build, deal with this battle, we still deal with this tension inside of us. So Paul goes on to address this issue of this battle going on inside of us, and he gives two lists. And it would be nice if we could lay them out, you know, list A and list B side by side, but we can't. And so what he does is he gives us list A and list B follows. They are not completely parallel, but they are set to be in contrast to each other. And so we look at list number A, and that's in verse number, what are we at here? Number 19. And here's what's in the list. 
The acts of the flesh, and this is list A, the acts of the flesh, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. And these are all sexual sins, and we see those things in our world, don't we? Uh, on a high level. Anything that's a, a sexual appetite that we're trying to fulfill outside of, of marriage in appropriate ways. And so this is what he says. This is where the flesh goes. Idolatry and witchcraft. These are religious sins. Idolatry, we look at that and say, well, these aren't really big deals now in our world. Well, idolatry is kind of a big deal, even in, even in our churches, because idolatry is anything that we put in place of God. And that doesn't mean that we have to put a stone statue on, on the shelf. It's anything that we trust in more than God or that we desire more than God or that we pursue more than God. So it's any affection that's above God or it's, or it's, it's any... Um, thing that gets more of my time than God does or anything that gets more of my resources. So idolatry, that's a big one. So he said, these are the acts of the flesh. Then he goes on here and says, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions. These are all sins that are really sins against each other or they're interpersonal issues that are going on here. And then he finishes up and he says, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And, and the like just mean like this list can go on. I'm just wrapping it up here. But, you know, drunkenness and orgies, those are kind of the party sins or indulgence without restraint. And he said, this is the list. He said, this is the list that if you make it all about you, this is the list that you're going to follow. Now, the interesting thing to me is if you follow that list, it, maybe at first blush, it's like, well, that sounds you know, appealing to some people. Well, you know, like I, I can enjoy this aspect of life or I can, I can achieve this or I can have this, but look where it all ends up. And when I start pursuing myself and pursuing all the me things, I end up with things like, well, well we read through that list there. I'm going to back it up a, a slide here. Hatred, discord, fits of rage. That doesn't really sound all that enticing, does it? We just lose track of the fact that, that our choices lead to outcomes, and we get focused sometimes on the choices and forget what the outcomes are. And Paul is just saying here, is hey, you can make the choice here for you. You can make the choice to do this on your own, but look where things are going to end up here. And then he says this, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And this is not saying that if you do these things, you're going to lose your salvation. His point is, if you are doing, living like this in your life, there's something spiritually wrong, and maybe you don't have the Holy Spirit to start with. And so that's just kind of a checklist. And he said, this is the things that if I do all these things, if I'm about me, if I pursue me, that these are the types of things that are going to happen and be present and evident in my life. And then he goes to list B here, the second list. But... The fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit is in control in your life. Then you can enjoy things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let me read that again. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Self-control. Just the feel of that list is so much better, isn't it? It's like, 
And it takes you down to that level. And what we even started talking about here this morning, the Spirit wants to take us to these things. And of those things, what would you love to have in your life? Like, sign me up for all nine. And the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, exactly. And that's what I want to add to your life. I want to make it that much better because I want to fill your life with love and with joy and with peace. Well, a couple observations here from these verses that we just read. What we see on the outside tells us who is, and I left this word blank here. You can fill in whatever word you want. But what we see on the outside, how we're acting or our fruit, tells us who is actually in control or who is winning or who is reigning or who is leading on the inside. So if we see sexual laxness, then the flesh is winning. If we see um, idolatry, all the flesh is winning. If we see jealousy and hate and rape, the flesh is winning. If we see drunkenness, all of that stuff, the flesh is winning. But if we see love and joy and peace, then we know that the Holy Spirit is living on the inside. But I have a question for us this morning. And to me, it's this. What about the middle ground? So we're over here is like, you know, you know, I'm not doing all these crazy things. I'm, you know, I'm not living in drunkenness and, you know, I'm not you know, having, having rage fits and, and things like that. And yet at the same time, I'm not over here where it's like love and joy and peace. I'm just kind of in the middle. I'm not doing that, but some of this stuff is just missing out of my life. If I'm honest, not much peace. If I'm honest, there's not much joy. If I'm honest, I, I'm not very patient. In fact, I'm more irritable. If, if I'm honest, you know, the self-control is really, really lacking. There, there's just a lot of indulgence. Well, that is indication of a spiritual problem because when the Spirit is able to be and to do who He is in our lives, love and joy and peace, those things are going to be evident and present. And so if you're sitting there this morning saying, well, I'm not there, but I'm not there either. They, the Holy Spirit wants you to be there to take you from where you are. And so that's the first point observation. Then the second observation then is this. The Spirit not only helps us in the battle, He makes our lives better in the midst of it. I think this is kind of cool. Because we started and we said there's this war going on between who I was and who I should be and when you think of a war, you think of battle, and you think of conflict. And yes, that's happening in the story. And yet, what we see the fruit of the Spirit is giving us peace and love and joy. Those are not battle words. And so even though we're dealing with this battle in our life, this is what the Holy Spirit is like, ah, let's be done with that kind of stuff. And let's live over here in this realm. And the Holy Spirit helps us in that way. If you've got your outline there, if you picked one up in the back, it says the Holy Spirit helps us in the battle. You could actually put a little W right there before in. The Holy Spirit actually helps us win the battle, and he makes our lives better in the process of it. So what I want to do here is I want to walk through these nine fruit of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit this morning is saying, hey, you can have these, you can experience these on the inside. And by the way, this is the fruit of the Spirit. We don't create these. These are not the fruit of the Christian. 
These are the fruit of the Spirit when the Spirit is at work in our lives. And to help us remember these, I went to the grocery store and picked up my own fruit here this morning. And so I've got my fruit, and if you're really hungry, come on up, and uh, you can have one of these things. But we'll just use these as a way to visually lock in on what these fruit are. Now, I would also mention this. When we talk about these nine attributes, these are all attributes of God. And so what the Holy Spirit is doing is saying here, here's who I am as God, and if you can experience these things, it's going to make your life so much better too. So the first one here is the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, I brought this to represent love this morning. I don't, to be completely honest, understand these. What is the point of a softball-sized watermelon? I don't know. But anyhow, um, you can pick these. Maybe it's just to put in your lunch and take to work. I'm not sure. But we'll use this to represent love here this morning. What is love? Love is this idea of caring for and valuing other people in our lives so much that we will sacrifice for them, so much that we will care for them unconditionally, so much for, so that it's just about who they are, not about how it affects us. How much love do you have in your life? Or is your love for people attached to conditions, like, oh, I love you if you act right, or I love you if I get something back here in return? In Paul's writing here, he says, no, the spirit, fruit of the Spirit is love. You're just going to care about people and not be worried about the return there. Well, he goes on here, he said, the next one, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. How about cantaloupe? Anybody like cantaloupe? This is one of those ones you love or you hate, but I, I like cantaloupe. But uh, we'll just put that out there to represent joy this morning. How much joy do you have in your life? It doesn't take a lot of explanation, does it? But it's a good question. How much joy do you have in your life? And we said this way back in the beginning of the service, even when I prayed this morning. God is the source of joy. Where does joy come from? It comes from God. In fact, when he made us, he made us to enjoy our relationship with him. And he put mankind in this incredible garden. Why? So man would hate it? Put him in this garden so man would be like, oh, this is great. I love living here. God brings joy into our lives. And if joy is missing, then why? Well, let's move on here. How about peace? Bananas? Isn't this a weird fruit? I I like bananas. Um, You guys are wondering if I'm going to eat it, right? Why not? They're kind of mushy, but they're really good. I like bananas a lot. But let's just use this to represent peace. Inner rest and composure. In spite of what's going on in the world around us. Now, we live in a crazy world, don't we? But you don't have to need to walk out to the edge of the street and pick that up. And the Spirit says, no, no, no. You can have peace. And I will bring peace into your life, even when everything else is crazy here. How about the next one? We'll choose a lime. I'm not going to eat the lime. But we'll call this patience. Patience. And forbearance is the idea. This is not the idea of being patient like in bad circumstances. I just got to hang in there. This is actually being patient with people. In contrast to being impatient or being irritable. When you feel like people are really getting on your nerves... That's when we have a patience problem. Or or when we are starting to react and respond to people because they did something that bugged us. That that is that issue right there, patience. How much patience do you have in your life? How about about kindness? I brought grapes this morning. 
But kindness is this idea that I'm so concerned about your life being good that I'll do whatever I need to do to make it happen. So I want you to enjoy whatever it is, so I will take the steps necessary to actually enjoy it. And that's what kindness is about. Goodness. Goodness is about moral uprightness and beneficial actions. It's, it's about being and doing. I'm going to be a good person, and because I am a good person, that means that the way I interact with other people is, is on a very good moral level, too. And maybe we can use a, a lemon this morning to, to demonstrate that. Faithfulness, consistency, integrity, just showing up when you're supposed to show up, being completely dependable, somebody that you can count on. That's a fruit of the Spirit. How about gentleness? Gentleness is the idea, and it might be meekness in the translation you're reading. It's strength under control. It's not being wimpy. It's being strong enough to step back and say, okay, I, I can take a blow. And I can still respond kindly. I, I can, I, you can be rude to me, and, and I can still be polite back to you. That's what gentleness is. I can, I can work in whatever direction we need to work, but I can do that in such a way that I can respect and honor you and treat you, you know, with grace in the process. We've got one last spirit here, and open this up. Strawberries. Why not? Self-control. That's a good one, isn't it? I don't even like strawberries, and that's good. The discipline that we need to live well. And I find this last fruit even a little bit mystifying to me because we call it self-control, but the Spirit gives it to us. I'm not controlling myself. The Spirit's controlling myself. That's the point of it. So it can almost be spirit control that results in self-restraint is the idea. But if you're living a life where, where you have a hard time saying no to yourself, that's because the Holy Spirit's not involved. And we can take that last fruit and take it all the way back to where we started this morning. All the people were really into legalism. They were worried that if we don't have these rules, everybody's just going to go live like crazy with mayhem everywhere. No. When we have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives us restraint and control so that we live the right way. But if we're struggling with self-control in our lives, and it can go in any different direction, can it? Uh, from, from how we treat our bodies to how we use our time to, to how we're spending our money to whatever, if that's missing, it's a spiritual problem. So the Spirit wants to give us these things, though, like love and peace and joy. And, and doesn't that sound great to live that way? Well, that's what he wants to do for us. So the question is, how do we access these fruit? Well, let's keep reading here through this passage. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You've already made the decision to step away from these things. Now, let's live by the Spirit. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. And if you back up to verse number 16, it says we're supposed to walk by the Spirit. In verse number 18, it talks about being led by the Spirit. And then we hit two times in verse number 25 here, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. Four times we're basically given the same instruction, and it's this. The key to victory is continuously walking in step with the Spirit. Continuously walking in step with the Spirit. 
And that verb form in the Greek captures that idea of continuously. This is not something we make a decision, okay, I'm going to be in the Spirit, and then we walk away from it. It's something that 24-7 we keep coming back to and saying, no, I'm going to commit to this, I'm going to commit to this. So let me just finish up this morning with five simple things you can do to walk in the Spirit. The first one is we need to yield. That's simply expressing our heart to the Holy Spirit, saying, I want to do what you want me to do. I want to be who you want me to be. I want to experience these things that you want me to experience as much as I can. I'm going to step back from my selfish desires and yield to you in my life. Secondly, we seek. What is it, Holy Spirit, that you want? The, whole, the, the, the Word of God is so important to us here. The Spirit of God always works in, in partnership with the Word of God. The, the Spirit of God is, is the one who, who wrote the Scriptures and gave them to us. The Spirit of God is called the Spirit of Truth. The Word is called the Word of Truth. They always work in conjunction. So when we want to live in the Spirit, we are pushed back to the Word of God, where we seek the Word of God and say, what is it that you want for me here, Spirit of God? Thirdly, we listen. I think it's maybe even a simple prayer sometimes to say, Holy Spirit, what in my life do I need to be paying attention to? Or sometimes it's when the Holy Spirit kind of like knocks on our heart and says, mm, right there. I mean, I've had that experience when I'm going down the road and, and somebody does something in traffic that I think is really dumb, and so I react to it. And then I hear the fruit of the Spirit is kindness and patience and self-control, and I'm like, oh, wow. That's a spiritual problem because I'm not seeing patience in my story. So we listen to where the Holy Spirit is pointing things out in our lives. Fourthly, we pray. And what, I, what I'm talking about here is where we just say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I'm dependent on you. I pray because I can't generate these things in my life. You can. And so we pray and we ask him for that. And then fifth, we obey. You know what it really means to walk in the Spirit? It means to simply obey God's Word. Do what He's saying to do. And as we obey and as we walk in obedience, the Holy Spirit builds these things into our lives. So what would be one thing that would make your life better? How about if you go to that list? Is it love, joy, patience, peace, self-control, faithfulness, goodness? Because the one thing in your life that could make it better is not really a thing. Person. His name is the Holy Spirit. We call him the inside guide. He's the God who enhances our lives. And he's the Holy Spirit who wants to make your life better, if you'll let him. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we've been talking about you for the last six weeks, seven weeks now, and all the roles that you play in our lives and all the ways that you make our lives better. But we come to this one this morning, and these things on this list, I think for me and for all of us here, we just crave these things. We want more peace. We want more love. We want more joy. And so, Holy Spirit, please bring them into our lives. 
as we seek you, as we yield to you, as we express our dependency on you, as, as we follow your word, and as we seek to obey it. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you're a Christ follower this morning, that middle ground, is there one of these fruit that's missing? What will you do about it this morning? Maybe it's just a, a conversation you need to have with God to, to, to maybe work through some issues in your life. Will you do that? And maybe it's one of those five steps that you really need to lock into. Will you make that commitment? And if you're not a Christ follower, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and had the Holy Spirit then come to live inside you, this is what he offers. He offers a way, way better life. He doesn't offer to change the circumstances. It can still be crazy on the outside, but he offers things like love and peace and kindness and all these good things. He wants you to have them. And they can be yours if you'll just simply invite Jesus Christ into your life. And when you do that, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. A simple conversation between you and Jesus, you and God. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. You rose again so that I could have forgiveness and so that I could have freedom. Please come into my life. So God... I pray that as we walk from here today, we would be encouraged by how much you love us and how much you want our lives to be incredible. And may we yield and lean into you and, ex and enjoy and experience your fruit in our lives. Pray this all in Jesus' name.